not in trouble. We just want to be able to communicate with you and get you to understand just how precious communion is and what it really truly means. Because maybe somebody gave you some misinformation. Mm -hmm. We don't know. But come talk to us. We want to help you understand, okay? I'd like to just build upon that. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. The, to receive communion, there are there are three conditions. And this is canon law, which is the highest authority of the church. Is uh, First, you have to believe in the real presence. Which means you have to believe that the host is truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, most of you have been with us uh, for First Communion. Most, a lot of you have. So you've had two years of formation in that, as well as most of your parents are, are practicing Catholics. Okay? I, I know, I probably know all of your parents are practicing Catholics. So I would be surprised, I would be surprised if you don't know what the Eucharist is. I would be surprised. So, what he said is very true. If you, don't, if you don't remember what the Eucharist is, or you have forgotten, you're not, or you're, there are some that will come up to me at times saying, I don't believe it's the real presence, I believe it's a symbol. Okay? So, you've heard of the Protestants, right? The Protestants, like the Lutherans and Presbyterians, they believe it's just a symbol. Okay, just, it's just a symbol. Okay, what's the difference between symbol and reality? Okay, a symbol would be, I take a photo of you on my phone, and I've got you on my phone. Okay, that's a symbolic replica of who you are. But it's not really who you are. Right now, I'm looking at you, you're the real thing. Okay, you're the real thing. See, so for the Protestants, they believe the bread and the wine or the grape juice, they've got grape juice, which they have once a month, it's just a symbol. So if you're, if you're doubting, if you're doubting the real presence, then you should talk with, with me or Jeremy or Roosevelt, because we're your teachers. You should talk with us and maybe go through that, because you might have some doubts, no? It could be. Um, and um, uh, honestly, I've had many temptations, but I never had temptation against the real presence, and I, that would be devastating for me. No? Uh, we as priests, we have a lot of education, but I'm like a little child. I've always believed, ever since I was four years old, that that host is God. But maybe you have doubts. No? Yeah, if you have doubts, uh, you can get through the doubts. Right? But if you're doubting the real presence and you go up, That'd be a sin because you're going against what you believe to be the truth. Okay. Uh, I think, though, if I were to sit down to talk with all of you, I think, do all of you believe in the real presence? Do all of you believe that the host is God? Let me see. I think they all believe. Okay. Well, good. Uh, another thing is, when you go up to receive communion... It's important they have proper vocabulary. Sometimes I hear this. Voy para agarrar el pan. If you speak Spanish, no? I'm going to go, voy a agarrar el pan. And uh, maybe you've heard that. I'm going to go up and get the bread. You don't say that. I'm going to go up and get the bread. You, you don't say that because it's not bread. It looks like bread. It tastes like bread. It smells like bread. It breaks like bread, but it's not bread. Okay? It's not bread. Maybe you've heard transubstantiation. Okay? Transubstantiation, I think Tomas and Joseph probably know what that is, is that the appearance, the appearance is bread, but the, the essay, the substance, is really God. Okay, the next condition is, before receiving communion, you have to fast. Fast means you, you can't be eating anything. Uh, when I was a very small child, it was since midnight on. And then in the 60s, when I was about your age, then it was three hours. Now it's just one hour. So it's really not that much. One hour. 
So if you're going to Mass on Sunday, and the Mass is at, the mass is at 8 o'clock, uh, and you'll finish eating at 7.30, you probably could, because by the time the priest is giving out communion, it's probably going to be about 8.40. So the fast is almost non-existent. You can, you can drink water, you can take medicine, but you can't uh, drink juice or eat candy or bubble gum or anything like that. That would break the fast. Now, say for example you're driving in the car and you pop a lifesaver in your mouth. I mean, that could happen. The Archdiocese of L.A. says you can go to a priest and you can ask for a, a dispensation. What that means? So you can come to me or the other priest and say, Father, by mistake I had a, a lifesaver. Could I receive communion? And we will give you a dispensation. The newer ones here may not be aware of it. The new pastor and the deacon, they may not know of it, but I've been here for many years, and that dispensation is something we can take advantage of. Even though, you know, an hour is really nothing. Okay, the third condition is to receive communion, you have to be in the state of grace. Okay? The state of grace. So, as you are saying, you, you don't have to receive communion. You don't have to. Uh, however, your Intention should be that every Sunday you are receiving communion. That should be your... But if, say, for example, you felt you committed a mortal sin, whatever it might be, uh, then what you can do is you can go up and you can cross your arms. You can cross your arms and you can get a blessing. Okay? Now, your parents might see you and you might feel embarrassed but your parents have no right to invade your conscience. Okay? Your parents have a right to many things, but they have no right to, to invade your conscience. It's your conscience between you, God, as well as your confessor. So your parents cannot, and they shouldn't, but if I were your, if I were your parent and I saw you going up like this uh, on Sunday, uh, what I would do, I would be in the confessional line on Monday. So I would, I would, I would, as your parents, would say, okay, something happened. Only God knows what it is. Let's uh, hit the confessional line. Let's go to confession so that we can go back to receive communion as soon as possible. Now, what is a mortal sin? Okay, mortal sin, there are three conditions, right? A grave matter, which means it's something serious. Second is full knowledge. You know it. And third would be full consent of the will. You do it anyway. Those are the three basic conditions. Grave matter means something serious. Uh, full knowledge, you know it. You know it in full consent of the will. It's not done by accident. Okay, an example. An example is this. Is Mass on Sunday important? Is it? Yeah. Sunday Mass is important? Okay, it's important. Grave matter. You know that, right? So you purposely, your parents are going to Mass, you purposely stay back at home um, and you don't go to Mass. So the grave matter, Mass is of great importance, full knowledge, you know it, full consent to will, you make the full decision in your will not to go to Mass. That's a mortal sin. So as a result of that, you are no longer in the state of grace, so you have to go to confession before you can receive communion. That's just one classical example. Is that clear? But all of you should all of you should want to go to communion every Sunday, and if possible, some of you, if you can go to daily mass, so much the better, right? If you can go to, if you, if you ask me, Father Lent, you ask me what would be the best Lenten proposal? Go to mass every day, if possible. I think some of you could probably go to Mass at 6 o'clock. Most of you are bilingual, right? So am I. Okay. Or bilingual, okay? So you prefer Spanish with your mother. Go to 6 o'clock Mass. 
You're back home from school at 3.30. You have, you know, maybe have dinner at 4.30. Mass is 6 o'clock. It's over at 6.45, depend who's preaching, right? Okay. Well, you're going to be over by 6.45, 6.50. That would be the best Lenten proposal. And most of you don't live far away. You think you live in the gardens, right? I mean, most of you are, if not your parents drive, they could probably be here in five or ten minutes. But that would be the best Lenten proposal. Now, how many... How many people play sports here? Joseph, are you a bench warmer? Okay. Nick? Kind of, right? Sometimes. Do okay. you know what a bench warmer is? Spanish caliente banca. What's a bench warmer? He's the guy that collects splinters with his pants, right? The glorified water boy, huh? It's a it's a guy that's playing and he's maybe maybe second string. No? Uh, I don't think either Joseph or Nick they're probably out there playing, huh? Uh, how would you like it if you're you're just a bench warmer the whole game? When I played, I I, I always played too. I was not a bench warmer, no. Uh, what about being a spiritual bench warmer? I wonder if they pick up the interpretation. What's a spiritual bench warmer? Nick, do you know? Joseph? I think it's pretty obvious, don't you think? Spiritual bench warmer is someone that sits in church, but he doesn't get up and receive communion. So you don't want to be a spiritual bench warmer. Right? We want to be in the game, right? We want to win the World Series, huh? We want to win the crown. So, not simply to win the World Series and get a trophy. We want, to, we want to make it to heaven. That's the most important thing. Right, Azul? Amen. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. And of course, if you're going to receive communion, you can receive it in your tongue if you want. You can receive it in the, in the hand. But the way it's done is the priest or minister says, the body of Christ, you say, Amen. Then... As uh, Jeremy said, you take one step to the right or to the left and then you consume it uh, in the presence of the minister. Now, neither of you as of yet are Eucharistic ministers. You may be in the near future, but um, when I'm giving out, the ordinary minister is the priest or the deacon. If you come up to me, oh man, (laughs) I... I, I might put I I will I do not take my eyes off you until I see you opening up your mouth and consuming it. I'm probably the most meticulous one in the parish, no? Yes, and Mary's a Eucharistic minister. So if you uh I think there was a wedding about a week ago, two weeks ago, and there was this kid that was walking with the communion and he didn't put it so I, I ran after him. I took it out of his mouth, I took it out of his hand, and put it back in the ciborium. Now, he may have got angry at me or the mother, but it's my obligation to be the guardian of the Blessed Sacrament. That's canon law. I don't know where he's going with that. It could be ignorance, but he could he could have some bad, bad intents or bad purposes. Okay, what I'm going to build upon what you said, but even more serious. Yeah, the desecration of the host is so serious that I could not give him absolution. Do you know that, Rosa? You'd have to go to Rome and have a private confession with the Pope. So there, those are, there are about three, three of the most serious sins you can commit in the world. That's probably the most serious. That's much more serious than killing someone, okay? You would think killing someone would be much worse. But if you believe that the Eucharist is really God, and it is God, desecrating the host is up at probably the top. So you'd be excommunicated, excommunicated until you go to the Pope, you tell the Pope that you're sorry, and then the Pope, hopefully he will give you absolution. So that's, that's kind of on the top of the list. And it stands to reason if we really believe that it's God 
If you're desecrating God, what could be more serious than that? Tell me. Can you tell me anything more serious than desecrating God? There's nothing. So make sure that you take, you're very serious about the reception of Holy Communion. But you want to receive it. You want to, you want to be a, a bench warmer, okay? Make sure that you're, you're actively engaged in what's going on in Holy Mass. Okay, got that? All right. So you, you gave um, a little um, incident I thought I, I would develop upon it because that, that's very important. Yeah, very important. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised that someone would take the host and then give it to someone else and maybe even take it out of his mouth. It's just um, very sad. No? So um, let's pray that that never happens with our class, right? Okay, where are we? We jumped, uh, last week we went through Lent, right? So, uh, where were we on page, uh, I don't remember where we were. Do any, remember where, where were we? I think we finished the second page. Okay, so we finished the second page, is that right? Okay. So we're on to the third page on, on Jacinta? Okay, so let's go to page three. And we're talking about the message of Fatima related to our consecration of our chastity on the feast day of St. Joseph, which is March 19th, right? So what we're going to be going through now is uh, this little girl, Jacinta Marto, she's going to die when she's only nine years old. And she's going to offer up all these sacrifices now to prevent souls from going to hell. This is a little girl. She's illiterate. She's a little shepherd girl. We're going to see these sacrifices that she makes. are going to put us to shame. It's almost embarrassing, you see, how generous she is and how, how um, sensual and lazy and complacent and gluttonous and how, yeah, how far we are from this. By the way, this little girl is a canonized saint. She died at nine years old. She's already a saint. So we can become saints even when we're young. Right? We don't have to wait until we're 89 and a half, no? Right? Uh, we don't have to wait until we're 89 or 90 before we can become a saint. Right now, right now we can become a saint. Right, Jack? Yeah, okay. So, Jacinta, are you following? Jacinta, the youngest of the three children, offered countless sacrifices. And even her very life, for the conversion of the many sinners immersed in the muddy pool of impurity. We'll mention just a few of the heroic sacrifices of this little girl. Okay, the first is the rope. So this little girl will take a rope, and she put the rope around her waist that caused her considerable discomfort during the course of the day. So try to imagine you get up in the morning, you put this coarse rope around your waist. And you're walking, you're going to school, you come back, you got that around your waist the whole day, huh? Not that you're in excruciating pain, but that, that causes a little bit of discomfort. No? Yeah. And why did she do it? Because the purpose she did it is that she wanted to save souls so that they wouldn't fall into hell. And to be with the devil. So all, all these things are done out of great love for God. And if we love God, we should love what God loves. The salvation of souls. Yeah. Okay? If we love God, we should love what God loves. God loves what? The salvation of souls. Now, if you're going to do that, uh, talk with the priest and talk with your parents. Okay, you shouldn't do this unless you consult someone. Because you you may not be, you may not be called to do that. But in land you're going to be called to do something. The next. Do all of you have a favorite food? I think your favorite food is um, McDonald's, right? I thought so. Yeah. You like McDonald's? Yeah, you can tell. Hmm? 
No, it's it. I, I like Madonna. It's pretty good, isn't it? No? All you have a favorite food? Honestly, my, my, my favorite food, I like Italian food. Do you like Italian food? Mm -hmm. Nice lasagna classic or no? Yeah. No. Maybe Olive Garden, you ever go there? Man, oh, that salad, huh? <laughs> Good, isn't it? No? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like Italian food. Uh, so try to imagine, okay, you're, you're giving up your favorite meal. You're giving up your, your favorite meal. Hey, that's kind of tough. Uh, giving up your Italian meal, huh? That's a tough one. But doing that as a result of love for God and the salvation of souls. Hmm? Okay, so for her, uh, when she lived back a hundred years ago, you didn't have Domino's Pizza or Chuck E. Cheese or anything like that. They had very simple food, but her favorite food was that she liked those sweet grapes. You ever eat some sweet grapes? They go down there, no? You know the condensed grape, they're called, they're called raisins. Did you know that? So when a raisin evaporates, it turns, a grape evaporates, it turns into a raisin. Eh? Learn something new every day, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she gave up those grapes because she really liked those. And she would eat these, she'd be eating these, these bitter nuts and berries. Because she wanted to save souls. Got that? Okay, next. Dancing. As a little girl, she liked to dance. But it wasn't the exotic, luxurious, um, seductive dancing of the cantinas of L.A., okay? No, it wasn't that. Just an innocent dance. She really liked to do that. She was joyful, she was an extrovert, she was expansive, she liked people, she liked to play games. So she, she decided she wasn't going to dance. No? Give it up to save souls. No? And then next, the rosary. At first what happened was they, um, the parents said that they had to pray the rosary. So they had to obey their parents. And you know how they would pray the rosary in between? They would, they would be working in the morning with the sheep, and then they'd have their lunch, and after lunch they would play a little bit, then they had to pray the rosary. This is the way they'd pray the rosary. They'd say, one, two, three, go! Our Father, Hail Mary, 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 Gloria. Our Father, Hail Mary, 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 Gloria. Our Father, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. So the parents would say, Did you pray the rosary? Oh, yes, we prayed the rosary. They didn't lie, but they certainly made a shortcut, didn't they? So instead of saying the whole prayer, they would just say, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. So, after the vision of hell, they prayed the whole rosary and they, played, they prayed many rosaries at that. Okay? And praying the rosary, you all know from experience, it's not that easy to pray the rosary. The rosary takes a lot of discipline, a lot of perseverance, and a lot of faith because the rosary is kind of hard to concentrate on what we're doing for those 15 minutes. Okay, so that was another sacrifice that she made. Then... Well, how about this? Joseph, have you ever played baseball under the hot sun? Hmm? You're thirsty afterward? Yeah. You ever play you ever play baseball under the hot sun in New York or New Jersey? I did. There's a big difference between California and New York and New Jersey. None of you have ever been on the East Coast, right? If you ever go to Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey, Washington, it's very hot and humid, whereas here in California, it's the best weather in the country. Can you imagine you play maybe doubleheader? You're out there three to four hours and you come back, you're really thirsty and say, well, I'm not going to drink anything until tomorrow morning. Would that be hard? Almost impossible, right? Because I've, I've, I've played baseball probably more than you and your father played a lot of baseball, no? 
When you're thirsty, you want to drink, right, Nick? Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough sacrifice, isn't it? And it was done for one purpose. What? To, to save souls. To save souls. Done out of love to save souls. You got that? Okay, good. And then how would you like it if uh, you, the doctor said you have to have an operation? Any of you ever had an operation? Maybe none of you have. I have more than once, no? An operation is not a joke. Hmm? Having an operation is not a joke, no? About an hour and a half ago, I was talking on the, uh, I was talking on the forum with my brother, who's a, he's a back a spine surgeon, so he does a lot of surgery. No? Does a lot of, on the back, no? I'm the sole surgery, he's the back surgeon. No? My parents hit the jackpot, didn't they? Huh? <laughs> How would you like it if you knew you are going to have an operation and there was no anesthesia? Any of you know what anesthesia is? Do you know what anesthesia is? Kind of? What, what is it? Yeah. How would you like you know, okay, they're going to... Cut you open, but there's no anesthesia. You have to be you have to be awake the whole time. Would you like that? You'd probably faint just thinking about that, right? Well, this little girl, what was it, Mary? I think they tried to put anesthesia, but it it, it, it simply didn't work, right? She, you know, she had um, pleurisy. Okay. And so, is it lung in her water in her lungs? So okay. They didn't give her just a little little bit of anesthesia with all mostly. It was just. With so she was awake most of. So she had pleurisy, which was a a lung disease and had water in the lungs so they could just give her just a little bit but most of it she was awake for the operation and she offered it up didn't she? she did. and she had two surgeries wow can you imagine that? no this little girl she really loved God didn't she? really loved God a lot yeah. kind of puts it to shame right Rosa? Hmm. I have to get Jeremy I have to get a a shot now and then. I kind of go like before the shot. I kind of go like this. Uh, ready? One, two, three. Oh! And the doctor says, "I didn't even give it to you yet." <laughs> Just warming up, you know. Ah! <laughs> Did I scare you a little bit, right? You jumped up a little bit, didn't you? <laughs> What, what what courage this little girl? Huh? She didn't go to L.A. Fitness every day either. She was just a real courageous soldier for Christ, wasn't she? Yeah. So, when she had to undergo an operation with barely any anesthesia, the noble and brave descent accepted it and offered it up to prevent souls from precipitating themselves in the fiery pit of hell. So, indeed, how important... It truly is for the world at large. The supreme importance of the virtue of purity. How important it is for all of humanity and each of us individually to live out the beatitude. Blessed are the pure of heart for they will see God. Remember the stark warning of our Lady Father. Most souls go to hell due to the sins against the virtue of purity. Okay, second, I'll later reveal to just sent another serious but stark truth. Many marriages are not pleasing to God. These messages were given close to a hundred years ago. Since then, the state of both marriage and the family is definitely in a scary freefall, a real vortex. Way more than 50% of Catholic marriages end in divorce, leaving wounded and scarred children. The innocent have to suffer for the sake of the guilty. To make matters worse, many couples who even call themselves Catholic decide to sidestep, sidestep receiving the sacrament of holy matrimony and instead just live together in free union cohabitation, a trial marriage to see, as they say today, if they have they have chemistry or they're compatible. Okay? Have to see if they have chemistry or they're compatible. So uh, a brief comment on that. 
most of you are will probably be called to the uh, marriage state. The marriage state. Um, let me give you some some advice on, on this very important topic. Person you marry, if you're called to the marriage state, it's going to be most important, the most important decision in your life. It will be. Because you're going to be with that person until you die. So <laughs> you have to make sure that you, you choose the right person. So you marry that person, you might be that way with that person another 30, 40, 50. You know, how many, you know how many years my parents were married? 62 years. That's a long time, isn't it? And my, my father finally died. That's a long haul. You want to make sure that when you, you marry, you, know, you marry the right person. I think a lot of the girls, uh, they want to follow the five B's. You know what the five B's are? I want a guy that's got beauty, brawn, brains, and big bucks. Beauty, brains, brawn, and big bucks. What do you think? I think that that's a criteria, my materialistic criteria that's pretty, pretty calm. Beauty, good looking guy, huh? Brains, graduate maybe from an Ivy League. Brawn, got muscles, and big bucks. A lot of money. That should not be their criteria, right, Jeremy? No. But that is a materialistic criteria that's probably lingering in a lot of people. Remember, brains, beauty, brawn, and big bucks. You got that? The five, I call it the five Bs. No? The, the five Bs of the secular marriage. Well, it'd be a good idea is this. If you want to get married, first, you got your college degree. Okay? What do you think? Got a college degree. Okay, your college degree, you're a professional. Then, you should have uh, $10,000 in the bank. Okay? Then after that, after that, okay, make sure that you choose the right person you want, to, you want to choose the right person who's going to be a practicing Catholic. Practicing Catholic. And someone that's a practicing Catholic. Is it a good idea to marry a Protestant girl, a Protestant guy? God that's not a Catholic? That's very dangerous. Very dangerous. You want to make sure you marry someone that is a practicing Catholic. Got that? Yeah. Practicing Catholic. Because you want to be able to share what's most important, and that is your faith. Right? Isn't your faith, your love for God, the most important thing that binds you? Yes. That's number one. And marrying not too young, but also, you know, if, if you've got a, a college education, that's, uh, that's very helpful. You're not marrying with a huge debt, but rather you have money already in the bank, so you don't have to rely upon mom and dad for everything. So I'm saying that because many many marriages are not good marriages, and if you start to, you start to live together before you get married, that's wrong. Make sure you get married in the church, okay? Married in the church. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, the third. Our lady stated bluntly, there'll be many fashions or modes that will enter into the world that will gravely offend God. How often today, even in the context of the church itself, do we encounter blatant and flagrant immodesty in dress in the celebration of the sacrament of baptism, as well as the celebration of the sacrament of holy matrimony, many come to the church as if it were a beach party, a nightclub, or simply a fashion show. Yeah. Pope Benedict stated with utmost clarity that in our churches today, we're losing the sense of the sacred. 
We're losing the sense of the sacred. Indeed, indeed the church is the house of God. Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, lives in the church. His home is behind the tabernacle door. The red burning lamp signals his real presence. Would we come improperly dressed into the presence of an earthly king or queen? Out of the question. But how easily we can disrespect the presence of God in our churches. Of great importance also is the respect we should have for the dignity of our own body. St. Paul asserts, glorify God in your bodies. Your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. You have been redeemed at a high price, the blood of the Lamb of God. The way we clothe our bodies should reflect the knowledge we have of our innate dignity being created in the image and likeness of God and being sons and daughters of God at the moment of our baptism. Our dignity is exalted. Our destiny is sublime to be united with God forever in heaven. Therefore, once we have been, we've learned the supreme and sublime importance of who we are, where we are heading, and our eternal destiny, then we can take very seriously these three warnings of Our Lady of Fatima. Messages directed not only to the three innocent shepherd children, but also to us right now. So let us strive with the help of God's grace and our own human effort to take heed of Our Lady's admonitions. Indeed, our salvation is at risk. First, let us strive to attain an ever greater purity of eyes, mind, emotions, heart, and body. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Second, those who have chosen the sacrament and vocation of holy matrimony, may they make a constant effort to grow daily in the love of God and a pure love for each other and the children that God often does send. And finally, modesty. May we come to be to a keen awareness of both our dignity and our eternal destiny. Our dignity, we are living tabernacles of the Blessed Trinity through baptism. We are, in the words of St. Paul, ambassadors of Christ. Before leaving home, present yourself before the image of Our Lady Jesus and good St. Joseph as their representative and see what they think. Do nothing in word or deed or dress that would make them ashamed of you. You are called to be their honor and prize now and for all eternity. Amen? Okay, let's go to the fill-ins now. The name of the beautiful lady would be Don't all speak at the same time now. Okay, it would be it'd be Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima. But she also revealed herself yes. That's right. Okay, it's Mary, Our Lady of Fatima. But there's one other. Later on she's gonna say she she's gonna say, I am the Lady of the Rosary. She actually doesn't say, Hi, I'm Our Lady of Fatima. She actually says at the end, I am Our Lady of the Rosary. Okay, so it's uh, Our Lady of the Rosary. So if she is Our Lady of the Rosary, then it means that she wants us to pray the Rosary, right? Okay, who did she... Who did, okay, who did she appear to? We started the class about three weeks ago. Who did she appear to? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You don't remember. Okay, we talked about those three children. I remember you, you wrote down their names next to the picture. Who are they? Remember their names? 
Rasul? Okay, so put, okay, put down Lucia, would be one. But it's all you, you skipped two important uh, descriptions uh, on the last two, right? Which would be what? Okay, so it's Lucia, it's Saint, Saint uh, Francisco and Saint uh, Jacinta. They're already saints. Among the youngest saints in the Catholic Church. Uh, Jacinta was nine and Francisco was ten, almost eleven. Okay, what year did she appear to these three children? Tomas? 1917. Remember we talked about that. That was the same time as the, the Russian Revolution. Remember we talked about the, the Bolshevik Revolution. Remember that? Yeah. Okay, see, so she appeared how many times and on what day? Jack, how many times? Uh, I think she appeared 17. Uh, six times. So she's going to appear six times in, in total. And um, what day did she appear on? I'll give you a hint. For, for us today, it's a, a, a number, a bad luck number, even though we don't believe in bad luck. But a lot of people, if you were to go to New York City, when you have a really big building, they go from the 12th floor to the 14th floor, but there's no 13th floor. So it would be the 13th. So she appears on the 13th. Did you know that she didn't appear the 13th of August because the children were actually in jail? So she's going to appear a little bit later in August. So, uh, yeah, she's going to appear a little bit later in August because they take the children, they throw them in jail, and they, they say that they, if they don't deny this apparition, they're going, to be, they're going to be burnt to death. So she appears a few days later in August. Okay, so July 13th, she showed, what did she show July 13th? Nick? Okay, she showed a, a graphic vision of hell. A very graphic vision of hell. Scary, in a certain sense, right? But very real. Okay, who and what did, who and what did they see? Who and what did they see? Jack? Okay, so they saw, they saw devils and, and who else? Joseph? The, the damned souls, right? So I saw the, the devils and the damned souls, the souls that were damned to hell. And they saw, okay, what else did they see? They saw fire. They saw the, the, the fires of hell. What is... Okay, what is the principal reason for why there are many souls that are condemned to the fires of hell? It's a good point. That's yeah, a very good point, but I would say also because of the sins, the sins against the... Uh, the sins against the virtue of purity. Write that in there. The sins against the virtue of purity. Seven. 
Now, number eight, what are the two commandments that refer to this? Well, <laughs> look at number nine and ten. So it'll be the sixth and the ninth commandment. Sixth and ninth commandment. The sixth commandment is, okay, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And the ninth would be, Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Both of them are related. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay, number 11. Okay, marital relations have their place only in the context of of holy matrimony, right? Only the context of holy matrimony. That's the only place where relations should take place between and number 12, between only one okay, okay, one man and one woman. Okay? None of this two men or two women. We've talked about that as being wrong, right? Okay, between man and woman. In school, they're going to be teaching you other things, but you have to listen to what the Bible teaches, and what the church teaches. Between man and woman. Got that? Okay. After the vision of hell, the little... Jacinta... A little Jacinta was ready to offer up many Nick? Sacrifices. sacrifices. Why? What's that? To save souls. To save souls from the fires of hell. Good. Very important topic, isn't it, Will? Very important topic. I really could go deeper and deeper in this because it basically says it all, doesn't it? Okay, uh, others, okay, name, okay, name her sacrifices, okay, we've already mentioned, now let's, okay, what, what did we read? What were some of her sacrifices? We just read it ten minutes ago. <laughs> you have a short-term memory, don't you? Joseph? Okay, so, okay, first the rope. Rope. Okay, then next would be what else? Okay, giving up dancing. How about the third? Okay, that's okay. What would be another one? Okay, giving up drinking water. And there's others I put. Okay, suffering the, the operation. Asul? What? I can't hear you. Okay, giving up food. And another one would be praying, praying the rosary, the whole rosary, not the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, the whole rosary. Now what, a, what a beautiful example. I really admire her very much. You know? I, feel, I feel almost ashamed because I don't practice in men. As much sacrifices as she she does, maybe maybe I should go deeper in Lent, huh? <laughs> another said another sad but true proclamation that the beautiful woman said Our Lady Fatima made was that um, there are many many bad marriages, okay? many bad marriages. So you turn the page. 
Today, sad to say, many marriages are not based on God's love, but rather on lust, very often. Not based on God's love. Okay, number 18. One of the reasons for divorces is due to... Well, put the word unfaithfulness. It's a pretty general word, isn't it? Unfaithfulness. You can be unfaithful in, in thought, word, and deed. And even on the internet, right? You're married... You're, you're married to to a guy, but then you're you're sending certain text messages to another man. I mean, that's that's a type of adultery. Yeah, yeah, it's adultery. You're very easy to commit adultery today. Could be that person could be can be he can be another country. <laughs> can be in Africa. You can say can can be on the moon, but not not the moon yet. But can be almost all, anywhere in the whole world. Okay. Uh, a man and woman should be married in the church. They should be married in the church. And then they should not start to Live together. Not start to live together. The other day, Sunday, I was greeting the people after Mass and one of my confirmation students was there with his wife. Very beautiful wife and they had three kids and he was with me. Hey, got to get married in the church. Already got three kids. Well, we're thinking about it, no? And there's no reason why he can't. They're just thinking about it. And um, I think it's the devil at times. The devil convinces you a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later. You know, a lot of people, they want, they want the fiesta. You know, the big fiesta, the big party, the big mariachi, la pechanga. You know, I want that. Not important, is it? Tell the people... I'll marry you for free and I'll take you to Pollo Loco afterward. Okay? How about that? Pretty good discount, huh? Don't worry about the money or the party. Just get married to church. Okay. The final message of a lady made to the little Jacinta was the following. This is this is encouraging. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. Isn't that encouraging? So write down. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. Okay. Now, uh, with respect to modesty, do you know what CCC means, Jeremy? It's the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there's a number. And modesty is the guardian of chastity. Modesty is the guardian of chastity. Yeah, try, to, try to be pretty. Yeah. Try to be attractive, but always try to be modest. Okay. Right? And try to be attractive. Got it. But, but never never be what's called provocative. I mean, be attractive, but always modest and never a source of provocation. So, um, say especially the girls, if you have any immodest clothes, uh, what should you do to those? Any immodest clothes, you know what you should do? Go get some scissors and cut them and play basketball and get a three-pointer. Yeah? You get your scissors, clip, clip, clip. You got the trash cans, it's a little bit of basketball. Ooh. 
Ah, good shot, okay? That's exactly what they should be. Right, Rosa? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be a source of, of temptation for anyone, no? Got that? Yeah, be, be, be well-dressed. You know, be dignified, be attractive, but never never uh, provocative. Because you're going to be judged on that. You don't want to be a source of sin for anyone. All right. Uh, easier said than done. Now, you, a lot of your a lot of your girlfriends are going to be dressed in a very different way, but follow Our Lady and not your best friend. Okay, follow the Blessed Mother. She's our model. Why number twenty-three? My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says, we are the ambassadors of Christ. Any of you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is the person that represents the president or the country or the king. He is a representative of the, the country itself. The beauty of the body is important, but even more important, in the eyes of God is the beauty of the soul. Okay? Even more important is the beauty of the soul. One of the most beautiful women last century was Mother Teresa. Right? You know, physically, not really, but, but spiritually, a very beautiful woman, right? Because she's a great saint. Okay, I should always dress trying to be pleasing to... Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Amen? What do you think? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Before you're going out, maybe visit a party or anything. Okay, is this, am I dressed in a way that's pleasing to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? If not, go and change. Yeah? <laughs> All right. Some of our ladies' points in chastity. Number one. Most souls are lost because of impurity. Number two, many marriages are not based on God's love. And number three is, we have to try to live modesty, which is the guardian of chastity. So, okay, the last thing was uh, uh, modesty is the guardian of chastity. Number three. So, tomorrow is March 1st. March 19th is the big day, right? So, March 19th, you're going to have a very special Mass in which we're going to be giving... We're going to be giving you a very special gift. You're going to be putting a ring on your finger. And it's a ring of chastity. You're going to be giving that to your husband on the day of your wedding. Okay? Beautiful, huh? Okay, you're going to save yourself for your husband. That's the whole meaning of it. And when you're tempted to break that, ah, I made that promise. Father Broom talked about this in five different classes. Well, I'm not going to do that because that's not what God wants. God wants me to live a life of purity. Amen? So that's the... We're, we're building up to... I, I'm taking this very seriously, March 19th. They're going to live a life of great purity and as a means of that, they're all going to get to heaven. Amen? All right. Uh, I have a gift for you. It happens to be my birthday today. So I, I'm going to give you a gift for my birthday. Okay. Would you like it? Okay. Uh, is there any cake? Yes, there's. After my, after okay, we're going to give. Uh, they're going to. You're going to have some cake for my birthday. Okay. So, so, so say thank you, Father. Thank okay. You. And let me give you a booklet of my ordination with John Paul II. So I'd like to give this to you. I think you're going to like it a lot. And uh, don't use it for your bird cage or, or just use it as a frisbee. Okay? Look through it. You can read through it in five minutes. But why don't you give this to them? And you can give them this too. This is a gift to okay. me. Maybe pass pass Thank that out. 
Oh, wait, so we had a good so class, didn't we? Yeah? Okay. Oh, wow. Man, they don't, they don't know how to sing in English, no? Ready? Happy birthday to you. 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 Happy birthday